So uh, good morning. Again, so what a privilege again to, to be with you. And uh, yeah, I really want to say, um, echo what, what Liesl has said. You know, for, I think there are many different types of churches. And uh, I, I know for us in, in Highway, you know, we, we want to build a, a, a quality church. We want to build a church that is going to stand. You know, a church that when Jesus comes back, will still be like this morning, worshiping him. And, and I want to say this is a quality church. And um, we, we've, had the privilege of, uh, we've had the privilege of spending time with, you know, with your, your elders one-on-one. And, and, you know, I don't know about you, but, you know, some people, when you get to know them more, you like them less. <laughs> I know it doesn't happen here, you know. That may be just a loud thought. Um, but other people, when you get to know them, you want to get to know them more. And I think that for us, that's been the amazing journey with, with Nick and Cutty. And uh, we, we're just amazed and, and inspired, you know, by your example and your kids and, um, and just a quality church. And, and I really want to say, you know, I, I, this is not flattery. They, they really have helped us to build a quality church like this. And I uh, really want to honor them for, for the, you know, if, if you had to get CSI to a highway and see whose hands is on this, it's, it's, I mean, you'll find it from, this, from the moment you get in there to see your hands, you know, and your influence on that church. I really want to honor you, honor you for that. And I want to say, you know, this is an amazing eldership team. You know, when I, you know, just meeting with everyone, I, I really felt, I said to Nick as well, there's such a purity and a and an innocence and an integrity in this eldership team. And I really want to say, you know what, this is a team you can give your life to. Hey? This is a team that you can serve God with, that you can, sorry, not give your life to, and trust your life to. <laughs> so uh, some of you are very worried now. Hey? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I so really want to say, say thank you for that. So, you know, Nick <laughs> forces me to talk, you know, quickly. I'll, I'll just say... Um, I, you know, was as unsaved as a rock. Um, I went uh, to church maybe once a year, and uh, this churching was not for me. And uh, I've always been sort of, uh, yeah, I just find myself in, in, in leadership positions and all of these type of things. And I ended up being, you know, probably one of the biggest, you know, hooligans at varsity and all of these things. And, uh, and then one day, one day, uh, you know, I actually broke up with this girl, and uh, I've decided that's it. I'm going to go find myself a wife at, at church. Okay. True story. That's where I went. And, uh, you know, um, and, and somehow it was different. And I uh, went to, I mean, the first night I went there, um, yeah, with that amazing band and, and all these things, and uh, they prayed for us, and I fell down. It's like, I don't even know this stuff. I don't know what it's about, and it felt like, what's it, electricity running through my hands, I was like, what is going on here, and uh, what felt like minutes actually was hours, and I got up there, and radical, that was it, um, made radical decisions, and uh, used to be, uh, my dream has always been business, uh, leadership, and all those things, and uh, I've been blessed and fortunate to be in, in senior positions in, in big companies from a very young age. And sort of climbed that corporate ladder. But along the way, you know, we, we attended church. We were there on Sundays. But, you know, it, it, I wasn't really allowing these things to impact me. You know, I was there, 
you know, that, that verse, they walked amongst us, but they weren't really one of us. That was us. And uh, studied many things, and my wife studied and things, and, and in many ways we just started to drift away from, you know, from God again and, and all of these type of things until we came to a church called 3CI. I don't know if you know it. And um, that's where I firstly felt these are men. So I want to say to you, men, this is a, this, you know, men need to lead their families. And, and, and if men challenge you, that's, then you're in the right place. Because I was for a long time in the church, and it's not their fault, it's my fault, but where I've not been challenged, where I've not had people around me that can say, no, no, this is not the way. And um, obviously going through that whole process, and uh, now I'm like, uh, in 3CI, we going to the nations. I mean, I had zero heart for the lost. To my shame, I had zero heart for the poor. Um, I've just, it's not, you wouldn't even, uh, what's it, awake a emotion in me for those things until I started going on mission and I remember going to Malawi and we sat in this mud hut and uh, and and there God just broke my heart for the lost and the nations to the point where yeah just all my dreams and aspirations you know of you know being the CEO of Coca-Cola and having this global company um, decided you know what no actually I feel God is calling me somewhere else and uh yeah, you know, I always say if I had a list of what I would never do and a place I would never live, I'm now doing both of them. I mean, yeah, pastor was not even on the list of what I would never do. But I can say I'm living a dream. And that's our dream. But you all have a different dream, a different call, a different thing that God has called you to. But what I do know is God calls us together. He calls us together to, to walk this out. And, and even as, as Nick shared this morning from Psalm 84, it's just these people, these pilgrims walking together on this journey amongst difficulty, amongst danger, amongst all of these things to go to the temple of God and to worship Him. And um, I always say, you know what? The best thing we can give our kids is God. Not an education, not, as great as all of those things are, and I want to say, parent, you know, if you put God first, so will your kids. So the greatest thing you can do is to give your life to him. I think that's a quick summary. Yeah. Good. I'll spare you all the gory details. So um, I want to, this, this morning and, and evening, want to look, seeing that you are in Genesis, um, you know, probably for me one of the greatest um, sort of, eye-opening or challenging stories is the story of Abraham and Lot. And I think so often we can read the Bible and think, yeah, but those guys were just some camel riders, you know, living in the sand, you know, it's like, what do they know? That was great for them. But I think what we miss, you know, uh, the, you know, the word says, as, as someone said this morning, and the word is living and active. It's alive. It, it comes from a, a God who's outside of time an eternal God, a living God. So, so every word, you know, every story we see in the Bible has been specifically put there by God. Not to tell us what happens sometimes, but what happens always. And I felt this morning, I want, I want to, you know, just look this morning and evening at the story of Lot and Abraham because I think this is what happens always. You have one person who lives for God who seems like the weirdo living in his tent by himself, by faith, with his altar. And then you have a guy like Lot who lives for this world and 
for God. Tries to. Living in the city, he eventually becomes a mayor in the city. He becomes an influential guy. But at the end, as time goes by, we see the outcome. And I think that's what I mean when I said earlier about a quality church. You know, we, we, we can search hype, we can search all of these things, but over time, like Lot, like Abram, we will see who was the wise person, who has made the right decision. So let's have a look. Luke chapter, oh, Luke, sorry, we are in Luke in highway, so let's not look there. So Genesis 11, Genesis 11 verse 31 So this is the story, and, and, and again, what's so important for us to pick up these themes? So Genesis, Genesis 11 starts with, you know, people coming together in one language, and let's say, let us build a name for ourselves, Tower of Babel. And Genesis 12 is the story where God says, no, Abraham, walk with me, and I will make your name great. And I think, again, from that contrast, from that background, we can in this life try and make a name for ourselves or we can rather walk with God and let him do what he wants to do. So let's have a look. So here we go. Terah took uh, his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Aran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. So can I just say the context is Abram here is not a Jew. Important, Okay. Abram is a moon-worshipping pagan. That's who he is. So it wasn't that he was this amazing guy, this perfect child, you know, you know, perfect righteous person. No, no, actually God calls him and says, you know what, Abram, I'm going to give to you, to one family, this incredible gift. And because of that gift, all of the world and all of the nations will be blessed eventually. So when they came to Iran, they settled there. So Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. So the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country with your people in your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Iran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Iran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So Lord, we want to thank you that you have not left us without a witness. You've given us your word. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us the local church. And Lord, I want to pray this morning, may your word come alive. May your word speak to us. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We want you to move. We want you to minister. We want you to light up dark areas, even in our hearts and lives. We want you to guide us. We want us to show us your ways. I, I pray, Lord, that as we walk away here, Lord, we, we, are, we are looking for an encounter with you. We are looking for a transformation, Lord. Transform us. Make us more like you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I've titled it A Lot to Think About. So the thing I want to highlight from our story about Abraham and Lot, as I say, is a contrast between one man who lived a devoted life 
to God for the world to come. And another man who tried to live for both worlds, this world and the world that is to come. You see, the word says we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. To use our influence and opportunities in this world to secure a better future for ourselves. As someone once gave this example, which I love, you know, the, the church and, and this life we call to is like a boat. I don't know if you know, I don't know much about boating, but what I do know, the idea is the water should be outside. Okay, not inside. So this picture of in the world, but not of the world, the idea is we are in this boat and the whole idea is to keep the water outside. But what happens is we allow the world and the thinking of the world and the things like water to come inside our boat. And over time, the boat starts to go slower and deeper and we find ourselves in trouble because we have not understood this very thing. We've not understood to keep the water out. So be in the world, but not of the world. So unlike Abraham, Lot was a person who was easily influenced. Unlike Moses, Daniel, Esther, John the Baptist, Mary, Paul, the disciples, who had strong convictions and was able to stand under trial, Lot was like the UN. He was trying to keep people, just everyone, happy. Hey. Now, sadly, in the world today, and especially the church, for every 10,000 lots, there's maybe one Abraham. Why is this? Because many are trying to live for two worlds. Many are trying to serve two masters. Many, as I said to the leaders on Thursday, many are going on this journey with Jesus, but with all the idols under the one arm. You know, just in case this God thing doesn't work out, just in case this God doesn't come out and, and do what I want him to do, I've always got these other idols that I can rely on. Now, the story starts with Abraham's father, Terah, leaving Ur of the Chaldeans and settling in Iran. So let's just talk about this place called Iran. He says, when they came to Iran, they settled there. So Iran was halfway out from where Abraham came, and it was halfway in to where God wanted them to go. So maybe you say, so what? You know, what, what's the point? Well, Abraham came only halfway out to the place God intended for him and his offspring. So let's just consider this a bit. I think a good many men have got to Iran and there they remain. I think they are not more than half converted. They want to live on the borders all the while. They neither enjoy the world, neither do they enjoy Christ. They have enough religion to make them wretched, but not enough to make them joyful. They need some calamity to bring them completely out of the world and so we see with Abram and Lot. So again this morning, friend, I say you will not enjoy God, his people, what he's called you to if you only go halfway out. You see, God is looking for those that will not be half-hearted but wholeheartedly devoted to him. You see, after five years of living in Iran, God appears to Abram telling him to leave Iran to the place he would show him. And what does Abraham do? He responds to this call. What does he do? He takes his family, and then he obviously takes his nephew, Lot, with him to the place that God would show him. Hey, and then God makes all these wonderful promises 
to them. So as long as we see, as long as Lot stayed with Abraham, he prospered. And likewise, will you do well when you stay with godly men and women, when you stay close to the local church? You see, if, if I see myself only as an appendage to the local church, sort of just sort of on the outside, and we, like I said to you, that's where we lived. And as we were living like that, we were just drifting, just slowly, drifting away, drifting away from God, because we were just sort of on the outside. But what we see is God is calling us to be on the inside. You see, and what does it require? It requires us to not forsake the gathering. And well done, you're here. You can give yourself a tick. Not forsake the gathering, not forsake, you know, why do we have prayer meetings? You know, that's why, you know, if, if you look at many churches, maybe today or over the ages, the elders are like, doc, are like jockeys trying to get this dead donkey to go somewhere. Come to prayer and come to church and read your Bible and give and trying to beat this donkey, you know, this, this doesn't want to go anywhere. But what I see is in, in the early church, I see people filled by the Spirit, self-devoted. It was in their hearts. They wanted to pray. They wanted to gather. They wanted to read the Word. They wanted to, to honor God. They wanted to be impactful in their society. So the question is always, if those things, those things to me is a good barometer of my heart. If those things are not in my heart, Lord, would you fill me anew? Would you give me a fresh anointing? Because, because that is what the, word, the Spirit does in our lives. He, he, he gives us this self-devotion. No one has to stand behind me and sort of try and pull me to get somewhere. No, it's in my heart. I, I do desire these things. I do not know of one person who's left the local church that we've been a part of and before that are doing well. Over time, friend, like Lot and Abram, we prosper when we walk close to the people of God. When we don't, it just, it just doesn't. And what I see often is people that leave the church, they become weird and judgmental. You know, they go from home church to weird church to no church. Hey? And then they all under, you know, all over the place, you know, just like, you know, tossed by every wind of doctrine and running after one thing after another, you know, like a sailor tossed to and fro, life a mess. So again, I say, friend, the best thing you and I can do, and I have a testimony on both sides, I've got it in my hall of shame, how not to do it, and I've got a different way, is to bolt yourself in, get in this boat, you know, you know, roll up your sleeves and get into this river. Hey? And I often say, you know, to, to live with other believers is messy. You know, Christians make the worst dance partners. Because hey? we step on each other's toes all the time. So just get used to it. Hey, that's why I've got long shoes. My toes are a bit back, you see. So don't, don't get stepped on that easily, hey? So... Why be rooted in a healthy local church? Why? Because we are more like Lot than Abraham. We are easily swayed and influenced by others. Like a branch easily carried down the river. We were not meant to be alone. That is not only for Adam and Eve. Again, that's not what sometimes happens, but what always happens. We are not good on our own. We need one another. 
That's why we often say, show me your friends. Show me the people who speak into your life, and I will prophesy your future for you. Hey, you think I'm talking theory as I say? I have a testimony. I have a testimony of being out of fellowship. And what I was, I mean, we were studying. I was studying my master's, and you know, it's like I have to be a good steward. I have to work these things. But I slowly just started to drift away from these things, which almost destroyed our marriage, our future, and, and so many things. You see, if God has saved us into community, into a body, why do we think we can do it on our own? It's not the, what's it, the single organ of Christ. It's the body of Christ. We are called to be part. He, he, he baptizes us and put, puts us into this incredible body. Hey. Now a crisis called Abraham to move on, to stop settling and move all the way to where God wanted him to go. Trying to escape the famine, they ended up in Egypt where Abraham lied about his wife being his sister. Hey, this guy wasn't such a good guy as we can see. And he was eventually kicked out of Egypt to move on to the land that God had for him. So maybe I want to ask you this morning, maybe you're in a difficult place. Maybe there's great trial or difficult in your life right now. Could it be because you started to settle? You see, God, we can, we can rebuke the devil as much as we want, and we can blame our environment and all of these things. But what often happens is God is more interested in your future and your holiness than he is in your happiness. God is more interested in not only taking you out, but bringing you into where he's got you, that he will continue to put fire under you, eh? so that you will not settle. Because we are not called to settle. And God has allowed circumstances to get us to move like he got Abraham to move. For God takes us, as I say, out and, and, and not in. There's no neutral ground. You're either moving forward or you're moving back or drifting backwards. God is calling us to settle. You know, the, the finish line is in heaven. You want to know how does it end? How much more, Nick? How many more prayer meetings must I come to until you reach heaven? Hey? How much more time must I read my Bible, go to the nations until you're into heaven? Or until Jesus comes back, of course. That, that will also be amazing. Hey? So again, God's place is to, God's plan. Again, he did not save you to, so you can have fire insurance. He did not save you, you can just avoid hell. I'm okay. Now I can live for myself. Now he saved you because he's got a plan for you. God looks at this world and he says, you know, this world needs a Mikey. This world needs an Ingrid. This world needs a Dave. And then Psalm 139 says, then he, he formed you, he knitted you, he stitched you together to go and fill that place. Eh? Not just playing with some clay and, oh, here's some th a person coming out. Okay, what are we going to call this person? Eh? And then he puts you in the world and him and the angels play side bets. I'm like, I wonder if this one is going to make it. <laughs> eh? Now he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. He has made you to play a role that only you can play. He's prepared good works in advance for you, a place of influence, a place of usefulness, a place of living by faith. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. 
Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. And from the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel. Sorry, that's in chapter 13. To the place between Bethel and Ai where his um, tent had been earlier. And where he had first built an altar. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. You see, so in the meanwhile, Lot prospered because of his association with Abram. And eventually, they decided to separate. Because we see the land was not able to support them both. And what happens is the herdsmen of Abram and Lot started to quarrel. So again, we know, looking back, zooming out and seeing the story, we know Lot is prospering because of Abram. And why is this important for us? Because like Lot, we can easily consider it's by our great strength. And our great sales skills or business acumen or our great talents and giftings and degrees that, that we are such, so successful in life. Listen to what God says to his people in Exodus. He says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God failing to observe his commands. His laws and his decrees that I'm giving you this day. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and to con so confirms his covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. You see, over time we think we are prospering because we are so clever. We are so talented, so gifted, and, and, and all of these type of things. We start to think it's by our great efforts. But again, Lot prospered because of Abram. You know, I've said to our guys in, 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 over the last three years in COVID, God has been incredibly gracious. People got dream jobs. People started incredible businesses. I don't know of one person that lost their job in COVID. And I said to them, you know, just, just remember, it's not because of you. It's because the gracious hand of God is upon you and upon this body. And as long as you stay connected to this body, you know, there's, there's a corporate blessing that comes. And I think so often, you know, being in a, an amazing body like this, you know, God's heart is to bless us. You know, and, and I think the, the prosperity teachers has hurt the church. Because God's heart, heart is to bless us. God's heart, but spiritually, financially, physically, God's heart is to bring us in a place of influence. Not the kind of I throw in 10 rand and I get a million rand. Not that. No, but God's heart is to bring us into a place of space. But he does it when we are together. Hey. So again, Lot prospered because of Abram, and likewise do you prosper because of God. And how often do we forget this and become, become proud? I know, and I've seen over the last year or years that I've done this thing, the greatest test has never been poverty. The greatest test is success. There's nothing that tests you like success. And here again, I, I know people who... Barely had a job, ending up being very successful in the hundreds of millions. And it's amazing the more people get, 
the less they give. I just don't understand it. I mean, there was a story once of this lawyer, or this guy was studying law at university. And, um, you know, he was a waiter, and he was doing all sort of odd jobs to try and, you know, pay his tuition and get some spending money. And uh, over time, he, he got his law degree, and he, he got promoted, and eventually became a partner of this big company. And the one day, he was sort of writing his tithe check. You know, you know I know you guys don't know what that is, but it's like a booklet. Eh? <laughs> when we were still riding on our dinosaurs, you know, we used to have books and write, and that was money. So as he was sort of writing his tithe check, he just felt like, yes, it's quite a lot of money. Eh? I mean, uh, whatever he gave. And he felt God say, well, we can always go back to tips, you know? Yes? You see, what we see again is not what sometimes happens, but what always happens. So here we have Abraham. God says, I'm going to bless you so you can be a blessing. And can I say to this church, which I know is a generous church, can I say to you, make sure you're a river. Make sure, understand God blesses you so you can be a blessing. Not that you can buy the 20th pair of shoes and the, whatever these things are. Eh? No, no, let's, there, there needs to be a place. Paul says, I've learned the secret of contentment. You know, one of the greatest things we can live, learn in this life is to be content with what God is for us and, and, and give us, put us in a place to be generous on any and every occasion. Okay, back to our story. So Abraham decided to be the better man. So as they were fighting and, and all of these things, what does Abraham say? He, he says to Lot, okay, now you can choose. Hey? What does Lot do? It says, Lot looked, let me read it, looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zohar. Inverted commas. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So what we have here, right on the boundary, right on the border of the promised land, Lot says, I'm going to go there. Hey? Bethel was on the boundary, and, and, and Lot made a fatal choice which would cost him everything. So initially, Abraham looked like the fool, living in an unprotected, you know, just land with his tent and his altar. There's Lot. Hey, there's this wonderful, well-watered plains and all of these things. You see, how often have... Christians, disciples of Jesus, being so close, so close to what God wants to do in their lives, come so close to the place God is for them, and then they choose not to enter it. They get sidetracked, they get distracted by something else. They make a bad choice, they take an offense, just as breakthrough is just around the corner. They climb out of the oven before the cake has risen. Now, I don't know much about baking either. But what I do know is do not open the oven while that cake is rising. And so often, you know, you require heat to make that cake to rise. And so often there's heat and these things because we say, Lord, change me. 
And we say, Lord, I want to become more like you. And Let's bring some fire in your life. But the fire is not there to destroy you. It's to purify you. It's to make you rise. It wants to make you something far better than you would have been without it. And what do we do? We pop out of the oven. And can I maybe say to business people here, I know when I, I just got saved, this, this lady sort of sat with me and she said, you know, you're going to be in business and these things one day. Be very careful that you don't bail people out. And I'm like, what? She says, no, what happens is God can bring someone to a very desperate situation where they can only cry out to him. You can help them, but don't bail them out. You need to be very sure, you know, talk to the elders, you know, just get some counsel. Be very sure you don't just bail someone out because what's all that's going to happen, the cake falls flat and then it starts again and you bail them out and it starts again. And sometimes, you know, um, some guys wrote the book, When Helping Hurts. Sometimes our help can hurt more than it actually can do good. So people leave the church. They leave the people of God, drifting from God, become proud and quarreling and entitled only to start all over again. Lot escaped with the clothes on his back. Hey? He had to start all over again with everything. Hey? So, almost done. Lot chose by sight. Abram chose by faith. Lot chose to go to the city that he could see. Abram chose the city he couldn't see. The city what, is the, what does Hebrews say? The city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Abram chose to live where God wanted him to live. Lot chose to live where he wanted to live, which turned out to be one of the most wicked cities in the world. And how often do Christians cho choose like Lot? Making choices by sight rather than being led by God. You know, and something I've said often is, I remember many years ago, someone preached a sermon around, how do I know the will of God around a decision? And he used this example of, for a boat to leave the harbor, there needs to be three green lights. Hey, maybe Nick has even preached it, I don't know. Three green lights. First light, does it align to God's word? So I feel God really wants me to become an exotic dancer. Uh, no. I feel God wants me to, I don't know, start a casino and destroy people's lives. Uh, no. Okay, so green light number one. Green light number two, is there an inner witness? I, I really feel, yeah, there, there's an inner witness. But the third light, which I have seen over and over and over, is there a witness in community? It seemed right to us and the Holy Spirit. Hey. Eh? Those three lights, same. Being led by God. So, so, so often we have people, they, they take their job with a better pay in a remote city. Hey, choose by sight. Hey, but it's a promotion and more money and things like that. Really? And so was Sodom as well, eh? Buying the car or the house that you cannot afford. But you know, I've got a big family. And I need to drive around and do things. Getting into excessive debts to acquire the things that you've always wanted or needed. I need this. Right? For a fear of the future, moving your children to a godless nation. Ah, oh, this world, this country, and yeah, what is going on here? Well, friend, have you not again read the story of 
There's Goshen, the city inside of Egypt. God is smashing Egypt. But inside Goshen, the city, the lights are on. Okay, now even that is, we need lots of faith for the lights to be on these days. <laughs> so, in Goshen, the place is not falling apart. And can I say, friend, you know, rather be, you know, in, in Afghanistan or the, I don't know, whatever's the worst place to be right now with bombs raining down and yeah, probably Ukraine. Rather be there in the will of God than being in one of these nice, what's it, ANC, um, Australia, New Zealand, Canada. <laughs> eh? <laughs> you see, this is, this is the problem. I, we, I've just seen, you know, we've seen friends after friends after friends leaving to other countries of trying to avoid physical danger. But like we'll see tonight, what happens is they lead their children into spiritual danger. And I'm telling you, like we see with Lot's life, it's far easier to lead your family into temptation than to lead them out of temptation. And people go to these nations and suddenly their children are wayward and this and that. And it's like, really? What did you think? So again, I say, friend, don't choose by sight. Rather every day, be dependent on God for your safety. Rather every day, like Abraham, in your tent, no defenses, you trust God. You pray and you call upon him than living in this safe, secure place while your children is being sidetracked and taken out. Eh? To listen rather to people who tell you what you want to hear. Faithful are the blows of an, a friend. Rather open rebuke than hidden love, eh? Rather fellowship in the church where you don't get challenged. So sorry this morning, this is not the one. Take the job with the long hours that avoids you seeing your family. You know, but I need to pay my bills. You know, and all of these things. What about adjusting your lifestyle? That's never an option, eh? No, 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 I'd rather work the long hours of this and that. It's like, okay, but who said you need to have all of these things? So Lot allowed the world to get the advantage. And this is where thousands of Christians are failing today. Like we say, boiled alive like a frog. Just one degree, one degree. And this is my final point. He lived too close to sin and temptation. You know, if you want to avoid sin, avoid temptation. Right? If you don't want to fall off the cliff, don't walk on the side of the cliff. Right? What are those climbing guys? I mean, maybe some of you are those guys. If you live one degree off from the purposes of God, I mean, how many more times do we have to use this analogy? One degree off. Time is not your friend. And this is what we see. This is what Lot did. He never should have left Abram. If he had lost some of his property, like even Paul says in the Corinthians, rather be, rather be wronged. If he had not got on quite so well, if he had not accumulated wealth quite so fast, it would have been better for him and his family if he had never left Abraham, the man who God delighted to walk with, the man who was in communion with God, and the one who was, you know, being primed to become this father of, of our faith. You see, Lot was probably like many great men around us. 
Many are trying to get rich quick. Many are trying to take shortcuts. Many are willing to work crazy long hours, eventually selling out their values, their families, their souls to get ahead and advance their life. But you know it's to secure a better future for them. The problem is when you achieve that thing finally, that very family you try to get a better future for doesn't want nothing to do with you. The children wants nothing to do with you because you've never been around. Eh? So at first sight, Lot did not intend to go to Sodom. It says the only thing he did was he just pitched his tent towards Sodom. And where a man begins to pitch his tent towards Sodom and look at it, very soon he longs for it and very soon he finds himself inside of it. Are you progressing in the faith, friend? Don't settle. Are you moving onwards with God? Are you surrounded by godly men and women? It is, like Psalm 84, it is imperative for this journey. Do you make your life choices by faith or by sight? Make sure, three lights. Witness of community. Witness of the community. Are you living on the edge of Sodom? close to sin and temptation, this is a lot to think about. Amen. I just want to encourage you to think about coming tonight um, to finish the story because the story will continue. And um, I found it a fascinating story that um, Abraham and Lot, and just Abraham being in Lot, Lot being in Abraham's shadow caused an incredible wealth to come upon his life, incredible blessing upon his life. And uh, George and I are very similar, I think. Uh, if I look at George's history and Liesel, um, Kat and I are very similar. And God said, the only way I'm going to save you is to put you in the middle of the church. Because we would have probably drifted or been seduced by the things of the world. I think there is a lot in me. That's, that's kind of, because everywhere you go now, people say, there's a better future for you. There's a better future for you. And so often God says, I want you. This is where I want you. And uh, it's amazing that even at times, I've had to say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I fought you. I'm so sorry that I've wanted other things. But I can say this morning, even listening to this word, thank you that you called me to walk with men of faith that had nothing. Why don't you just maybe close your eyes this morning and say, because, you know, you know what a picture I have? It's maybe just open your eyes for a moment. I've often thought of, I've, I think of Ukraine because there's something going on there and I'm saying, Lord, teach me your ways. There's a nation that's always been under threat by a, a bully, a, a, a big nation that's got imperialistic and they've known the day's coming that, that you're going to be at war. And the day came on the 22nd of September, I forget when it was, and they just started bombing and smashing and bombing and destroying and breaking and libraries and schools the day came when the day comes I want to say Lord I want to be in you 
I want, I want to be, when the day comes, I want to be in you. I, I, I want to know, I want to be like Abraham. Give me a tent, give me some stones. But there's a seduction, brothers and sisters. South Africans, and, I, and if you're listening online and you're in Australia or England, I'm not speaking to you, I'm speaking to us. That God is busy with us now, amen. And I think what George is calling us to is a radical commitment to Jesus Christ. Because if, you're, if it isn't, if you go halfway, you will fall into Sodom and Gomorrah and there's a disaster there. So, so before we worship, Lord, plow up our hearts and plant your seed into it, please, Lord. Take the, 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 the knives of the soil, the, the plows that cut up the soil, that carve it like in row upon row and plant your seed because we've got other seed that wants to sprout, Lord. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you've given us a story of Abraham and Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah. You've given us a story of a Bedouin that had a, a tent and a wife that was barren and she laughed at God's promises and a couple of stones. But in him was the blessing of the nations, God. Teach us your mystery and your ways that can astound us, Lord. We receive this word and we're going to go out with a song. Perhaps you've been drifting and you, you're drifting and you're saying, if I could just pay my bond off quicker, if I could just do this, if I could just get that, if I could just get ahead. But God says, don't drift from me. Stop the quarreling. The shepherds are quarreling. They're mudding the water. Stop the quarrel and say, Lord, I stop my fight. I yield. I yield to you, Lord, this morning. I yield my future. I yield my angst. I come under the shadow of Jesus. He is our true and better Abraham. And we, we tuck under the shadow of Jesus, the one who had nowhere to lay his head, the one who, who had to ask other people to handle his money, the one who didn't write a book, but the one who changed the world. We come under your shadow, Jesus. Put your hand upon us. Stretch out your hand, Jesus. Put it upon me. Stretch out your hand this morning, Lord, and put it upon the person at the back who's saying, actually, I don't think I'm coming back to church. Put your hand upon him and bring him close to you. Bring him to your hip, Jesus. Bring her. Bring that family close to you, Lord. Don't let them go. Even though they say, Lord, I'm going, I'm done. Bring them. Grab them, Lord Jesus, and bring them close to you. Do not let us go, Lord. We, we will ruin our lives. We yield, Lord. The one, Lord, that has, has made the universe, the one that has prepared, gone to prepare a place of paradise for us, the one who sustains our marriages and our health. Lord, pull us toward you. We are dangerous as drifters, Lord. And now we will worship you, Lord, and ask you to take this word on this cloudy Sunday morning and, and plant it into us and that tomorrow we'll begin to sense a germination. In Jesus' name we pray as we worship.